I spent a lot of time on working on that video. So, so I, 
want to apologize if I'm a little out of breath because I just finished the marathon and came straight over here. So, <laughs> you know, I've always loved Christmas to the point where I will start listening to Christmas music in late October. Last year, we put up our Christmas tree on Veterans Day. <laughs> This year, my daughter Lydia thought about putting up our tree in September. But we decided Susan probably wouldn't appreciate that, and so we waited until October. Who doesn't love family and friends coming together, the inevitable smorgasbord of treats, and the opening up of presents? But if we're really honest, for many of us, Christmas is also a really crazy and hectic time. Things to do, people to see. Endless checklists, busy shopping malls, at least for those of you who are not shopping online. And for others, Christmas is a time that actually brings some sadness and loneliness. For me, I've been very fortunate that I've always looked forward to Christmas. But to be honest, that's changed for me this year. I actually started to think about Christmas with sadness and anxiety. You see, as some of you know, I lost my brother-in-law James earlier this year, and since his passing, whenever I thought about Christmas, I actually started to experience sorrow because this will be the first Christmas without him, and I'm sure that. Some of you can relate to this, where we miss a loved one, or maybe for some of us, it reminds us of broken relationships or the lack of relationships. We know that Christmas is supposed to be a happy and joyful time, but for many folks, it it really isn't, and it becomes difficult for us to. Feel the joy and the peace that the angels proclaimed that first Christmas. Now, sometimes we do get swept up in the hype surrounding Christmas, as though our Christmas will be like the ones that we see in Hallmark movies, and we start to believe the lyrics of the Christmas songs that we hear around us. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, your troubles will be miles away. But if we take some time to put a pause on our life and really think about things, I think it becomes clear that trouble in our life is inevitable, and the longer you live. The more you realize how true this is. Granted, there are some things we can do to try to minimize trouble in our life, but there's no way to completely eliminate trouble in our life, at least not on this side of heaven. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said this plainly: "In this world, you will have trouble." And that could be a really depressing fortune cookie message, 
but it's absolutely true. So how do we experience peace given this reality? Well, it goes to the question of what are we focusing on? Many of us focus on our circumstances and what's going on around us. And let me share with you what I used to do when I was in high school. As a disclaimer, I'm a bit analytical, and I admit a bit weird. So when I was in high school, I would keep a log that tracked various areas of my life. Physical, mental, spiritual, and social. Not in that order, but I won't tell you the order. Um, And every day, each was given a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. So for example, if I got an A on my US history exam, then I would get a 10, maybe a 9 in the mental category. If a girl rejected my offer to go to the junior prom, then I would get a zero in the social category. And just to be clear, that's merely, that's merely a hypothetical, at least as far as I can remember. And it was sort of like the stock market for myself. And that would determine whether my day was a good one or a bad one. Rack up enough good days and life was swell. That's for you, Max. (laughs) And if we're being honest, this is pretty much how the world around us operates. How our day is going is based on our circumstances, most of which are beyond our control. And so we may subconsciously only experience peace when our bad circumstances are kept to a minimum. The truth is that we need to focus on something that will not change, something that is consistent and constant. And the only answer is God. In Malachi 3.6, God says this rather simply and directly. I, the Lord, do not change. And so we need to keep our focus on God, because if we do so, we are able to experience perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3 says about God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And some of you may be a little skeptical and thinking, you know, it would be helpful if we could actually see this proven. Let's do a lab experiment where we have one person who focuses on God and another person who focuses on something else. And then let's see what really happens. Well, fortunately, we actually have this documented for us. And it involves the very same person in the very same situation, thereby eliminating other unrelated variables that might interfere with our ability to test this single variable. So where do we see this play out? Well, let's turn to Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So we learn that as long as Peter is focusing on Jesus, he's able to walk on water. But the second he takes his eyes off of Jesus and instead focuses on the wind and the waves, he starts to sink. And I think you know how this applies to us and to our lives. Where do we place our hope, our security, our identity? And whenever I start to lose my peace, then I know something is wrong. It could be the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin in my life. But oftentimes, it's that I've taken my eyes off of God and I've placed it on something else, maybe a relationship, my finances, my job, or it could be something silly, like my football team. Yes, I still struggle with that. Proverbs 18.14 says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Nothing is more important than maintaining your inward spiritual life. Joy and peace are based on where you rest your heart. Is it in external things, like the number of dollars in your 401k, or the number of likes that you get on Facebook? But God has provided us with a better way. When Jesus told his disciples about how he would soon be leaving them, Jesus encouraged them by saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now granted, even this world acknowledges that love will cast out fear. After all, isn't that what Disney's movie Frozen was all about? Love. 
I kind of worked hard on that one as well. So I don't get any claps for that. No, okay. Actually, um, I was just notified that I, I hope I didn't ruin it for too many people who haven't watched Frozen. Chris. Uh, so, Elsa is gripped with fear for most of her life, but then her sister, Anna, sacrifices herself out of love and rescues Elsa from her fear. And Elsa learns that a heart frozen with fear has only one solution, love. And so the philosopher Olaf is able to teach us that an act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. That's close to the truth, but it's not exactly true. As we know from experience, human love is unreliable and fickle. It's swayed by emotions and affected by circumstances. What if Anna had slipped on the ice before she got to Elsa? What if Anna had chosen Kristoff over her sister Elsa? Only God's love is constant and unfailing. 1 John 4 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so while frozen may teach that love casts out fear, the truth is that perfect love casts out fear. And as we just saw in 1 John 4, God is love. God's perfect love is the only thing that can cast out fear completely. The world tries its best. It tries to muster the best that human love can achieve. But that is completely different from God's love. God's love is not human love. In fact, human love is a poor substitute for God's love. And if we accept this Olaf mentality that an act of true love will saw a heart frozen with fear, then we will think that we can conquer any fear that we have with human love, either from ourselves or from someone else. But as we know from experience, that is destined to fail. Only God's perfect love can conquer the fears that we have in our hearts. So let's go back to what the angels said about peace that first Christmas. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So why were the angels announcing peace when Jesus was born, before Jesus had even walked the earth? before Jesus had even proclaimed himself as a savior, and before Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Isn't that a bit odd? But the truth is that when Jesus, our Messiah, was born, although the shepherds and the rest of the world had no idea how Jesus' life would turn out, God knew. That's the reason the angels were telling the shepherds and the rest of the world that all of mankind could now experience peace on earth. And this is how we should approach our life with its continual parade of problems. Even when we don't know how things will turn out, we can still experience peace because the reality is that God knows and he is in control. So even if we don't know what will happen to that tattered marriage or that rebellious child or that lingering illness, our Heavenly Father knows and He is in control. And that is why we can experience peace. Now, as usually happens, when I'm preparing for a message, God will give me an opportunity to experience the subject matter of the message. And sure enough, God gave me my test and my tutorial a couple of months ago. So my family and I were traveling to visit my younger sister and her family in Albuquerque. Now, as you would expect, there is no direct flight from Honolulu to Albuquerque. And so we had a layover in Denver of only 60 minutes. Now, I know that some of you veteran travelers are scoffing at that and thinking, 60 minutes is more than enough time. But to understand my angst about this layover, let me share a few things. First, as you veteran travelers know, when you arrive is completely different from when you actually get off the plane. And on top of that, the airline stops boarding the plane about 15 minutes before the departure time. Second, we traveled to Albuquerque last year on the same itinerary, and we had to walk to a different terminal, which took us about 20 minutes speed walking. Third, our flight to Denver was a red eye, and I can't sleep on the plane, and so that meant that this sprint was going to be done in a state of weariness. So by my calculation, assuming it took about 10 minutes to taxi to the gate and finally get off, that means that we really only had 35 minutes to sprint from one terminal to the next. And that left very little room for error. One minor 15-minute delay on takeoff, and we'd be toast. So to add insult to injury, a month before our trip, United sent me a notice nonchalantly informing me that there was a minor change and that our Denver flight was going to be leaving 10 minutes earlier. And by that time, I was definitely 
stressing. And so a month before my trip, I was actually starting to worry about this layover. And here's where we see a big difference between my wife Susan and me. And so when I alerted Susan to this problem, she simply told me that everything would be fine. Seriously? Did she not understand the severity of this problem? Any delay, even just five minutes, would cause catastrophic results. I'd have to rush out to try to find a different flight. Who knows what would happen to our luggage? And what if we got stuck at the airport like Tom Hanks in the terminal? That's funny because probably only the older people laugh because the rest of the younger people are like, Tom Hanks? Terminal? What's that? Anyway, uh, and so months before our trip, I was already worrying about whether we would have enough time in Denver. But the thing is that I knew during this time that this really was an opportunity for me to, to trust God and to keep my focus on God. And that doesn't mean that I stopped worrying completely, but I definitely worried a whole lot less than if I hadn't tried to focus on God during this time. And so any time that my mind would wander into worrying about this layover, I had to purposefully shift my thoughts and remind myself to cast my care on God. And so throughout the flight from Honolulu to Denver, I listened to worship music. Given that this occurred in October, I was listening to Toby Mac's Christmas album. The second one, just in case you're wondering, Max. And so we ended up landing 10 minutes earlier than scheduled, and our gate was a short five-minute walk away. And so we had more than enough time. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> and of course, as I gushingly praised God for this amazing miracle, Susan gently shook her head and looked at me with a knowing smile. And the truth is that we are all on a similar trip. And we have a choice to make. We can either worry about what could go wrong along the way, or we can trust God and enjoy our journey. So let's get back to Christmas. So how do you really view Christmas? Not the churchy answer that you give while sitting in a Sunday service, but do some honest introspection. What is Christmas really about for you? Is it stressful because you need to buy all the presents, send out all the Christmas cards, bake gingerbread cookies, and attend the endless Christmas events? Or is it enjoyable? because you get to spend time with loved ones, watch Elf 20 times, and see your kids get excited about opening up their presents. The truth is that if we make Christmas about family, friends, festivities, and food, then Christmas will be based on and dependent on these things. And as we know, all of these things are fickle and often beyond our control. 
But if we make Christmas about Christ, then we have a firm foundation. And Christmas will be something that we will always look forward to, regardless of our circumstances. Unfortunately, many of us are looking down at the presence under the tree rather than at the star at the top of the tree. The presence will be opened and soon forgotten, but the star points us to God's invitation to us of everlasting peace. And as I prepared for this message, God showed me very clearly that even though I miss my brother-in-law greatly, I'm still able to experience peace this Christmas. Not a fragile peace that is dependent on everything going just right, but a permanent peace that comes only from our loving Heavenly Father. So how do we experience true, lasting peace this Christmas season, even with the troubles that we face in this world? We need to keep our eyes on God. So practically speaking, what does this mean? How do we experience peace and the good news of Christmas 365 days of the year? We need to replace our worry with our worship. Because the simple fact is that it's difficult to worry when we worship. And to be clear, I'm not just talking about music. We're able to worship through prayer, through meditating on God's word, through serving others, just to name a few. But music is undoubtedly an important way to worship. And certain songs have become my theme song for certain seasons. And so, for example, when Susan and I went through our Peter experience, which some of you are familiar with, we clung to Hillsong's Desert Song, Cutlass's That's What Faith Can Do, and Stephen Kirsch Chapman's Miracle of the Moment. And we listen to these songs constantly. These songs ministered and comforted our souls during a very difficult time of our lives. But more importantly, they helped us to refocus on God, to shift our attention away from our fears and back onto our faith in God. And before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus warned his disciples that the end of his time on earth was drawing near. But even with the dark hour approaching, Jesus said to his disciples, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So even at the doorstep of his own death, Jesus was encouraging his disciples that they could experience true peace. Let's go back to the Christmas story in Luke 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, the shepherds heard about the good news that the angels proclaimed, and then they experienced it for themselves, and it was just as they had been told. And we ourselves are able to experience this same peace that the angels trumpeted over 2,000 years ago. When we truly experience God's permanent peace, regardless of what this world throws at us, that is when we are able to join the angels in singing, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. We are able to experience that God gives, this peace that God gives, not just during the Christmas season, but in every season through the year, in every season of our life. Maybe my daughter has it right that we should try to put up our Christmas tree as early as possible so that it will serve as a reminder to us the other 364 days of the year that we are able to experience and enjoy a peace that surpasses understanding. The peace that Jesus gives is one that can withstand and overcome any tragedy, any crisis, any challenge. And even though I deeply miss my brother-in-law, and this Christmas will not be the same without his dry humor and his warm smile, because of Jesus, I am at peace. And because of Jesus, I am able to fully celebrate Christmas this year. What about you? Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we come to you as we are with all of our worries and problems. And you know how much we worry about things. But may we lift all of our worries to you. And may we change our focus away from our worries and back onto you. You are the Lord over all. You created all things and you rule over all things. And so we empty ourselves of our worries, fears, and anxieties. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us up, that we would be able to experience your supernatural peace, and that we would be able to truly celebrate Christmas this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.